In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Luce, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org, but we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organization and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live at 3 p.m. specific time every Tuesday. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. We're all over the web. Now, in this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even help propel your career. Now, I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. And let me know what kind of subjects you want to hear about on this show. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, what are we going to talk about today? I mean, we live in turbulent times. I mean, the way we work, the way we communicate, everything has changed over the last 24 months. Business is also changing. We are seeing consolidation in many market segments. We're seeing mergers and acquisitions, and the stories change every day. I mean, Elon Musk wanted Twitter last week and this week he doesn't. And all these kind of messages that we get can be very, very confusing. Um, It's confusing to shareholders. It's confusing to employees. And today we're going to talk with a seasoned CEO who's going to help us understand how we can better communicate these changes to our employees and our shareholders. Our guest today is Sandy Lohr, and she is the CEO of Matchcraft. And Matchcraft provides a best-in-class advertising platform that enables companies successfully sell and manage search, display, and social campaigns for their advertisers. Unlike advertising technology platforms, Matchcraft's platform advantage helps organizations efficiently manage campaigns for all sizes, enabling clients to deliver results to their advertisers. Matchcraft's sophisticated real-time bidding algorithms and a team of digital marketing enthusiasts work relentlessly to deliver exceptional ROI for merchants around the world. And Matchcraft is a fully remote company with team members all across the world. So Sandy is an expert to talk about how to manage 
remote teams. Sandy is passionate about the ongoing success of the local business ecosystem, and under her leadership, Matchcrest has developed award-winning solutions for resellers and agencies across the globe. Sandy calls she lives in the Sunshine State of Florida in the U.S., although manages her worldwide workforce. So, Sandy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kimberly. Always good to be with you. So, I mean, you you have employees. I mean, you're a seasoned CEO and you have employees all over the world. Um, let's kind of first generally, you know, what what has changed with this workforce since over the last 24 months? I mean, really since the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like so long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> Man. So we became remote as a company in February of 2020. And we vacated the spaces that we had in terms of all over the globe, including our headquarters that were in Santa Monica, California. And that decision was driven by employees. And now it's not even a thing to be remote. I mean, at that time, it yeah. was it was like something that you talked about. Now, I think most employees are accustomed to some form of a flex schedule or they're permanently remote, remote like we are. And it's interesting how the market is shifting already. And we'll talk a little bit about this, I'm sure, but it, because employees have been so in charge because there's been just this really demand for talent. And so employees were like, hey, we're not going back to the office. Um, <laughs> we like this flexibility. And But things are changing. And now there's companies like Netflix that are having layoffs and other tech companies and so the marketplace is, is drying up a bit and it's becoming more employer centric, I would say. And there's some people, Elon Musk, who's saying, hey, look, you're coming back to the office or find another place to work. I know Coinbase, their CEO, Brian Musk, is doing the same thing. And they, I think they feel like now's the time that they can do that. And, and in some ways it makes sense. I mean, there's pros and cons of remote versus in office for sure. Uh, but if you're a public company with billions of dollars of a campus sitting in Cupertino or Mountain View or something, you need to show your shareholders the value of that asset. And so I, I get it um, in terms of why they're they're being so demanding on on some of these stances that are that are happening. Um, but anyway, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how far it goes and and how widespread it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you, as you said, when you first changed, it was kind of employee driven and it seems like everything was employee driven. But um, what, you, you know, you're, you're seeing a shift now to more employee centric um, with some of this. Um, how does that work into this whole thing with the big quit? Because we're still seeing that, you know, we, it seems like sometimes employees still have kind of the upper hand because we don't have enough talent. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the big quit, the great resignation, it's certainly been a trend over the last 18 months. And and there's been a wave of resignations. Um, historically, when you see a major market shift happen, like the pandemic or recession or the war in Ukraine, anything like that, you're going to you're going to start to see something happening with massive layoffs and hiring freezes. And so there was some pent up demand for sure. But now I think we're seeing the opposite, which is uh, when that recovery mode with the when the pandemic first started to normalize, I'll call it because it's it's mm-hmm. never really over, but that led to this competitive market where talent was the top priority, and acquiring that talent by any means was necessary, 
and and the talent began to dictate terms. And so smaller companies like Matchcraft, we've always had to compete with the big tech giants for talent, mm-hmm. especially in California. Um, we have Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach in, in Santa Monica. And this shift created an even greater need to rethink how we package um, our total program and compensation to remain competitive. So I, I do think it's changed and it's it's changing already. Uh, you wouldn't have people um, like Reed Hastings coming out and saying, you know what, um, back to the office or else. And mm-hmm. and I think there's there's things like that or Elon Musk, I guess, is the one that's really kind of started that. And I think mm-hmm. that, that that's going to continue with people that um, that value more of what they consider that culture and the benefits of that. Um, more so than employees and, and think that, okay, if, if that person doesn't want to work in the office, then there's another place for them. They, you know, that's not a fit for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but I, I, I want to get your opinion on, on um, you know, as a seasoned CEO, when, when we did have this big quit, we were struggling for talent, it's shifting a little bit, but what do you think was the motivation behind this, this big quit and the employees, you know, um, you know, changing their mind on employer of choice? Um, was it that people had time because all of a sudden, you know, they put more time in families or it was a values? What do you think was the biggest motivation behind that or the bit of driver behind it, I would say? Yeah. Well, I think it's important that you find out why people are considering leaving because it's um, I think we we all got caught up in free lunches and ping pong tables and recess <laughs> and things like that. And really, and, and it's not just me. I mean, Glassdoor does studies and they worked with MIT. The number one reason people left their jobs was due to a toxic work environment where they felt mm-hmm. that that they that there was a failure to promote diversity and equity and inclusion. They felt disrespected. There may be unethical behavior. There may be low integrity and a cutthroat environment. Those were reasons described as why people left because they felt that that was a toxic work environment. And I would just say that's that's one study. On the other hand, and we've seen this firsthand, a few research shows that the big quit was led by compensation. <laughs> Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, employees, yeah. employees, you know, money matters. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's foolish to think that that's not true. You, you really have to look at that. And, and where do you think values come in this? Because one, one of the things we're seeing in Generation Z today and things is, is you know, they, they, they want a company that, you know, is demonstrating values or, um, you know, social responsibility. Um, how much does a role does that play in employer of choice today? Yeah, I think it plays a big role. I, I think what we found, um, especially during the pandemic, et cetera, is just showing our compassion. We had made a commitment that we were going to do whatever we could not to have layoffs and not to let people go. And we wanted to err on the side during an extremely uncontrollable and stressful time to make sure that as we wanted to be uh, an employer of choice and, Mm -hmm. and that we wanted to be able to help with that. And so we didn't have um, any turnover. And so that also had a built up effect um, that we're seeing now. But I also think that as flexibility is so key, and that's here to stay, whether mm-hmm. we're in a pandemic or not, that people value 
the time that they need to be able to balance life. And there's real situations, whether it's elderly parents, daycare needs, whatever it is, um, and they need to be able to balance that. And that flexibility has become part of our culture. It's no longer, okay, what's your unique situation? And then in terms of social responsibility, um, we have, we've always had this Matchcraft Gives Back, and we, we always had a commitment to communities. And in the Santa Monica, Los Angeles market, um, there were always two, and one of those was hunger and helping with homeless and hunger. And we did a lot of things to help there and volunteer work. But now that we're spread out, that, that world of community has changed. And what it is and what it means um, is it, it, it's changed because it's no longer a central area around where our headquarters are. We always kind of centered that around where we had locations. And so now we've defined community wherever our employees, wherever our team are, and we encourage them to do um, any type of volunteerism in any way that they choose and we give them time and we've increased that commitment and amount of time that we're giving we're highlighting that and showing how our team is giving back to the communities and then the other thing we did is just to support local businesses which that's the backbone of our business mm -hmm. so we also um, had our employees choose any type of local business that they wanted to support and encourage them to look for those that represented diversity and inclusion. And we, they got reimbursed for picking out a business and letting them know that they were there to support them on behalf of Matchcraft and uh, made purchases and we reimbursed them for it. And it's just, you know, just ways to give back. But those ideas came from our employees, from our team, and they're leading this. And I think that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that, that, that's really wonderful. And I just, my question to you as CEO, I mean, it, to have this social responsibility and kind of go from, I understand when you were, when you had an office in Santa Monica from local to now a virtual world, it's, is it a little bit difficult to orchestrate because, you know, how do you cascade the values down and then, you know, just, um, you know, is there any kind of, difficult in operationally orchestrating it uh, with so many people and working in so many areas. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 hard either way. We've always been global and so we've always had a distribution of employees in many countries, many time mm -hmm. zones, all of those things. I think the difference was um, we were concerned obviously about innovation, collaboration, how mm -hmm. do we do that? And, and that was that was the work world of how do we keep that piece going? Then there was the culture piece. How is it still a fun place to be? How can we be connected? And then there was, and I, I won't deny it, there was certainly a concern about how do we make sure people are working? Mm -hmm. And how do we make sure we don't wake up and find out we've got a three-day or a four-day work week happening? Mm -hmm. And so we really, um, we went to trust. And when you trust your employees, and you can monitor, you have to be able to monitor outputs. And so changing our metrics um, was really important on how we looked at our business. So for instance, if we were looking at uh, performance on a daily basis and what the output was, how many campaigns do I handle? How many of this do I do? How many widgets do I make? Whatever that performance was, we changed those to weekly because people altered and they might 
do a killer day one day and then they needed more time off the next day or something like that. And then the next day they had to have something else. And so between the two days combined and the whole week, they had a full week there. Those are just some of the things we've changed. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really good. And I'd like to talk to you about that when we get back, because one of the things I want to talk about after the break is also, you know, um, you're, you're doing all these things for employees, but at the same time, business is shipping, shifting, the market shifting, um, mergers and acquisitions and happen. You've been through it. And I want to hear from you how you communicate and how you manage, you know, kind of manage all these balls up in the air. And for our listeners, we are talking with Sandy Lore, and she's the CEO of Matchcraft. Matchcraft provides best-in-class advertising and platform that enables companies successfully sell and manage search, display, and social campaigns for their advertisers. Their platform which is Matchcraft's platform advantage, helps organizations efficiently manage campaigns of all sizes, enabling clients to deliver results to their advertisers. And Sandy is passionate about Matchcraft and passionate about helping local businesses succeed. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Matchcraft, you can go to www.matchcraft.com. And Matchcraft is also on Twitter, LinkedIn, under Matchcraft, on Facebook under Matchcraft.page, and on Instagram under Matchcraft LLC. And if you'd like to reach out to Sandy, Sandy is Sandy Lore on Twitter and Sandy Lore on LinkedIn, and that is L-O-H-R. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital and local search associations. Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers. And they also hold conferences, and the next conference is going to be held in Florence, Italy, October 16th to 18th. And you can actually meet Sandy and the entire Matchcraft team in Florence. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Sandy Lohr, who is a, C- a seasoned CEO and the CEO of Matchcraft. And Matchcraft is a best-in-class advertising platform that enables companies to successfully sell and manage search, display, and social campaigns. Now, Sandy manages a team of employees that are across the globe. And we're talking about, you know, how to effectively manage those teams and um, what has shifted in the kind of management we need to do today in today's environment. And Sandy, one of one of the things we, we've talked about the shift in in employees and, and hiring and things like that. But one of the other shifts we've seen um, recently and in the last 24 months is mergers and acquisitions okay 
um, business has changed, especially in the technology sector. Um, and so my first question to you is, do you think that these kind of mergers and acquisitions were a little bit overdue that, overdue that technology had to consolidate somewhat? Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, certainly there's been a lot reported, so not just my feeling, but the tech the tech stock bubble of 20 2020 and 2021 led to multiples in valuation that in many cases just weren't reasonable and uh, they say, you know, that we're sky high into the stratosphere. <laughs> and so I definitely think we're we're seeing a correction. I'm I'm sure you see that too. Yeah. And so yeah. so and so as this is correcting here, um, you you yourself have gone through this with your company and 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 maybe not just this time with Matchcraft, but also in the past. Um, how do you first, um, you know, start to prepare for this? OK, as a CEO, Okay, what what was your feelings as you said, aha, this might happen? Yeah, well. First, we wanted to prioritize buyers for Matchcraft that had a strategic interest because that obviously is your best outcome. And so with Vendesta, they were established in marketing services. And so it was a fit for us because our business model was for advertising services. So they had all the marketing side. We had all the paid ad side. And our sales model was the same where we're both selling to resellers. So a one-to-many approach. And so being able to put those two together, we knew them. And it was really my thinking is where is a good home for our employees? Like where, you know, that weighs heavily. That's what keeps you up at night is how do you find a good home for you, for your employees and, and to find an opportunity. You want this to be something that has an outcome that's positive on both sides, that it's a true culture fit and a business fit. And so um, we were very fortunate in in having this come together, but I think that was probably where we started, which was, okay, who who's the best scenario for us? What's the best outcome? And then you have to think about your team and how you go through that that announcement. Yeah, I want to come back to the team for a minute, but just, I mean, clearly when we look at mergers and acquisitions, you know, you're looking at the business models, the market segments, um, um, and I'll come back to culture later, but you as a CEO, okay, you are actually acquired. So do you think, you know, in your in your chair, do you think it's harder for the person being acquired, the acquiree or the acquirer? <laughs> <laughs> I've been on both sides. Yeah. I harder. I'll, I'll put I'll put air quotes around that. I think initially it's harder to be the the acquiree. Um, because I think both sides, the the uh, the acquiree has the difficult job of retaining their team and their clients, and it impacts 100% of your organization. Where the acquirer, the guy writing the check, right? They have a few folks involved. They they bring in people initially, but it's it's an entirely different scenario when the query has to go through the communication process and the need to minimize the distractions while all of this is going on, um, you got to still make your widgets. And so you've got to run your business while you're going through this major opportunity. And it's very difficult. I, I think it was much easier looking for companies to buy 
um, having, you know, poking, asking the questions uh, than it was and writing the check than it was. And by the way, it was never my own check, but (laughs) 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 then it was being on the side being purchase. Yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, you know, you talk about retaining clients and retaining, you know, employees. So, um, you know, as you're going through this transition and you said you've done both. OK, um, how do you inform your employees about this merger uh, acquisition? Yeah, I, well, Um, first off, there's some legalities and confidentiality clauses. So you really can't do it until the deal's done. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of coordination on that with both. In in our case, there were three companies. There was the selling company, there was the buying company, and then we were in the middle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so you have to time all of that. And I think that how you do it is just with as much... um, honesty and respect for your employees as possible. And at the end of the day, I mean, you can, you can put all the spin and hyperbole about the great opportunity, which is great. And it's true. However, they just want to know two things. Do I still have a job and will I still get paid the same? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. once you have those assurances, then there's other things that are extremely important, but those are the two main things. Can you assure everybody that they have a job or not? And be mm-hmm. honest. And is there any change in comp or not? I mean, that's do I still have the means to put food on the table? Yeah, I, I, and I think that's what everybody's concern is. But you know, it's interesting here. You talk about you know, there's certain things, and you really can't talk about it till the deal's done. But um, people smell stuff, okay? You know what I mean? People have sixth sense, okay? Um, As CEO and part of this process, did you find yourself having to kind of, you know, control rumors or control little things going on, speculation? I mean, how how did you manage that? Or didn't you have it? Did you keep it? (laughs) Yeah, we did. We had to, you know, we we had to bring some people over the wall because of dealing with the process, and then we had to bring people over the wall um, because we actually a client of ours, and so we were we wanted to make sure that if it's much better to control the messaging and to have a backup plan in case it does go public before you're ready to make that announcement. So we had all those contingencies in place. It, it was better to bring people in than to um, have that be an issue. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so we did that way. Yeah, I know that. So, so once you did this, okay, so you bring some people over the wall, okay, and you and as you said, people are concerned mostly about their job and are they are they going to get their paycheck paycheck, okay? Um, how do you formulate that? that big message to everybody because you've got you've got the ones on your team who've been brought over the wall they certainly know it but but how do you cascade that down in a positive way yeah well first you make it's very coordinated so we make our message um vendesta makes their message and so you have to make sure that you're on point and that it's it's what set the expectations and then being able to reiterate that Um, in very meaningful ways. So in my case, I set up meetings one-on-ones right after that. And so I spent three days going back and 
all my employees one-on-ones and then meeting with teams and making sure that they could ask any questions they wanted from me. And so I did that um, immediately after, and I, I found that was very helpful. And the same with our top clients, did the mm-hmm. same thing there and making sure that we could touch everybody as, as soon as possible. Um, but it's also a problem with rebuilding. You have to recognize there is collateral damage. Mm-hmm. And due to many reasons, most of our team doesn't didn't know the acquisition happened until it was a done deal. And that hurts because... Yeah. They trusted you and we've always been transparent and that's our culture and we weren't. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's no choice, but you have to rebuild that and recognize that that is an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and how do you how do you rebuild that? I mean, yeah, I get it. You know, it, you have a really good employee that's not in the loop because they can't be in the loop because you do have to keep this thing. In. And did it take you some while to rebuild, rebuild that trust with these employees? Yeah, I I think what we did is just shared um, all the first off, it it was a short process. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. it wasn't years in making it was months in making. And then it was just sharing the opportunity and why it was why why it happened, you know, why Mm -hmm. we were acquired, why we were sold, why we were acquired and what this meant and showing that opportunity and all the reasons. And then everybody was excited. Mm -hmm makes a difference. Again, we we were extremely fortunate to have Vandesta uh, be the acquirer because they were already a client. People knew them. It wasn't a foreign entity. And there was so much synergy um, happening with with what they were doing and what we were doing. So, you know, there there was the everyday roadmap that we had didn't change. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a good that was just it provided stability and just explaining it, it wasn't a situation, and I think most people understood why, that we could let everybody know. And first and foremost, we had a business to run, and that is so distracting. Yeah. And we worked really hard to make sure we didn't lose any employees or any clients because of acquisition, and we were able um, to carry out that goal. So we didn't yeah. have that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And congratulations, because it is a hard process as a CEO to manage. And um, we're going to take a short break in a minute. But I have one more one more question about this mergers and acquisitions. So you get this all done, you get the message out and then you have to merge the cultures. OK, um, how difficult is that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the hot question. <laughs> well, I think that um, I think what's important is to understand that culture is important. And so you you have to make sure that you understand, are there differences? And there are. I mean, there's just regional differences. In, and there's certain things when Canada has a whole different uh, structure and government than the U.S. or than we do in Europe. So we already had differences, but we we had to recognize those and try and see where we were aligned and where we weren't and what mattered and not to make change for change sake. Mm -hmm. And so our goal was to try and be status quo as much as possible, but then there was this added benefit of new resources. And I think that the key to all of this was um, Brendan King, the CEO from Vendesta and myself, spent time with messaging and making sure, did we understand um, what we wanted to say and why, and making sure we were on point. So no matter who talked to whom, from either situation, and then trying to allow just natural abilities for the team to get to know each other, um, yeah. attend this meeting, learn your counterpart, 
and just do that on their own. And, and obviously some trips up to Saskatoon. <laughs> <laughs> Saskatoon. Okay. Um, so Sandy, we're going to take a short break. And uh, this is this is really interesting because it's, it's useful. It's very useful. You've you've been through this experience, and and mergers and acquisitions are tough. So thank you for sharing the experience. And for our listeners, we're talking with Sandy Lore, and she's a CEO of Matchcraft. And Matchcraft was recently acquired by a Canadian technology company called Vendasta. And so she's talking about the process of keeping and maintaining customers and employees during these these kind of turbulent times and through processes such as mergers and acquisitions. And Matchcraft provides best-in-class advertising platforms that enables companies to successfully sell and manage search display and social campaigns for their advertisers. And if you'd like to talk to Sandy or reach out to her, Sandy is on Twitter and LinkedIn under Sandy Lore, and that's L-O-H-R. And if you'd like to learn more about Matchcraft, you can go to Matchcraft under www.matchcraft.com. And Matchcraft is on Twitter and on LinkedIn under Matchcraft, on Instagram under Matchcraft LLC, and on Facebook under Matchcraft.com page. And you can also learn more about Vendasta. And Vendasta is under www.vendasta.com. Now, this series is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research, legislative white papers focused on digital. And they also hold conferences. And their next conference will be October 16th to 18th in Florence, Italy. And Cinda also has an e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups. This e-learning platform helps SMBs as well as startups be more successful. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And you can also register for the conference in Florence where you can meet the Matchcraft team in October of this year. And with that, we are going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Today, we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Sandy Lauer, and she's the CEO of Matchcraft. And we've been talking about kind of the, the state of the industry, the turbulent times we're living in today. And Sandy, as a seasoned CEO, has gone through mergers and acquisitions. Um, she manages a worldwide team. We've seen, you know, the big quit behind us and now more employee-centric um, 
messages coming out today, and we'd like to, you know, we're listening to Sandy's experience. Now, Matchcraft also is a company that provides best-in-class advertising platform that enables companies to successfully sell and manage search, display, and social campaigns to their advertisers. And unlike many other platforms, Matchcraft's platform advantage helps organizations efficiently manage campaigns of all sizes, enabling clients to deliver results to their advertisers. So, Sandy, we've been talking about, you know, your company as far as the employees and you've been acquired by Vendesta Technologies, a Canadian company. Um, but you're you're active in the digital market, okay? And we've seen a ton of changes in the digital market. And I asked you in the in the segment before about consolidation or opportunities that have emerged. So, you know, what have what are the opportunities that you have seen that have emerged in the digital marketing segment? Yeah. Well, I think I think one of those is just I always go back to local businesses and consumers. And I think one of the opportunities, in addition to a lot of new businesses that were startups during COVID out of need, but also the switch to the importance of e-commerce and consumers buying online and a local business needs to drive customers to their websites. And that's also happening now through social presence and doing other things that they're doing. And, and consumers can buy online, they can pick up at the store, or they can buy online, drive up, send a text message, and even have their items brought out to their car. So I think all of those things are really big opportunities um, for local business to understand the importance of digital and, and an online presence and e-commerce, but also just social. I mean, there's been such a, an emphasis on social, and I know myself, I, I've i become a shopaholic just <laughs> reading some of my social feeds and seeing the ads pop up, <laughs> but you know. And I think of the growth of TikTok. I mean, we didn't even have them five years ago. Mm, yeah. I, no, I, I mean, that's that's important. And I think, you know, you as your company and, and these changes you've seen over the, the 24 months, um, you said in, in the segment before that we're kind of living in this new normal now. So this is kind of blended. Um we went from all digital to back to foot traffic. We, where, where are we now? Have we become blended consumers? Um, you know, and how are SMBs reacting to that? Yeah, I, I think we're definitely blended when you look at the buying cycle and and when you look at store things that you still want to go to the store and have a have an outing and go go see things. And I mean, shoes, I, I love shoe shopping <laughs> and my closet looks like, but, but so I think that's, that's really important. So the, the fact that it's blended is important, but local businesses get caught up in it. They just want to sell shoes mm -hmm. and they don't want to have to understand all the complexities. Um, and so that's one extreme, which is they need help. And there's all these different channels and what do they do with TikTok and what do they do with YouTube and what do they what do they do and how do they do it? And they don't want to deal with it and they want to sell shoes. So that's where our clients come in. Um, that's what our clients do is they hold their hands and use our platform and, and we become the experts behind the scenes. But allowing those local businesses to not have to worry about that and, and to be able to do that more and more. So I think that's a big, important thing. And 
The other side of that coin are the digital natives, the that grew up with digital, that aren't afraid of digital, that aren't afraid to go in and do their own campaigns. And so you've got both of those things happening where, where you've got local businesses with decision makers that know how to do it and can go in. They understand social. They understand what to do with, I don't know, Charlie D'Amelio, who's the number one TikToker. <laughs> they, they, they get it. And so... They, um, they can go in and do it yourself, which is another trend that we're responding to. So I think both of those are opportunities, but you're right. It certainly is a blend of brick and mortar and digital. Mm-hmm. And and uh, going forward, I mean, you you work, you provide your platform go, uh, works with digital agencies that help SMBs. Okay, and you're right. SMBs want to sell shoes. Okay, the shoe store wants to sell shoes. Um, but there's so much media out there. Do you think we've just become like it's confusing? I mean, do you use TikTok? Do you use uh, Facebook? Do you use Instagram? Um, you know, how do you weed? You know, how do you weed through all this media? And how can SMBs understand that? Yeah, they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is why they need they need our clients. They they need a professional. They need somebody that can come in that understands it. So these media experts that come and knock on their door, they see the value of them, the good ones, because mm-hmm. they they have their best interest in mind. And the other thing is it's trackable. They know if it's working because they get they get traffic. There's either somebody, you know, did the cash register register ring and did my my shopping cart get full? Mm-hmm. And if it's happening, they're gonna know it. Um, and I'm speaking of of retail, but that happens across services. Did I get leads? Um, did I get my my name out there from a branding standpoint? All of it is trackable. And so that makes sense with them just not knowing and throwing money away. Mm-hmm. And and you have you know coming back to your company and and the fact that it's worldwide and you have you have um, employees helping you know digital agencies all over the world. Um, is this pretty much worldwide? I mean, you know, of course there's different market emphases, but you know, is France looking like Germany, looking like Spain? Um, you know, are SMBs kind of struggling? the same all over the world or you know is somebody just kind of leading the way yeah no i think i think absolutely there's pockets everywhere Mm -hmm. um i think when i look at the differences between and europe europe was hit harder by smbs and the the amount of ups and downs of opening and closing and curfews and all of those things. And then the war hit. And so that had an impact. And believe it or not, that that had a global impact because of talent and just the the process of how it, it impacted Europe as well. And so I think Europe was hit harder. Um, I think channels are different. So in, in Africa, the continent, there are many alternatives to um, and Amazon, and they each have regional impacts. So um, as a platform company globally, we have to think about penetration the best for different companies. And yet there's companies like a LinkedIn that gets 50% um, adoption rate for internet users in any area of South Africa. 
And so it's it's very interesting. And then devices are interest interesting. So in in um, in South Africa, only eight percent of households have a computer. So everything's done on mobile and payments are different. And so there's just all these nuances that you have to consider. And again, it's why it doesn't, what's common is the struggle of SMBs for the complexity of marketing and advertising. Mm -hmm. And so they need, need somebody that is absolutely on point for being an expert in that area. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, really interesting. And, and Sandy, just we're getting towards the end of the show. So as, as a seasoned CEO, having gone through these mergers and acquisitions, having, you know, go, uh, go you know, uh, transition to a global team. Um, if you, you know, six months from now, what um, just last question, one question, six months from now, what do you think is the biggest thing we, we should be looking at? as an employer or a, a digital marketing agency or a CEO, just what's what's on your heart, okay? And what are you gonna pay attention to the most in the next six months? Well, in the next six months, I think um, recession, inflation, and for us, that means efficiencies are our best investment and holding the reins tight and being cautious. So we call it responsible growth. We are we are growing um, rapidly and in fact, unprecedented growth. And we need to understand that it has to be responsible growth. We need to um, obviously, it, and, and that's important too from a valuation standpoint is to make sure that we understand that the bottom line um, is important and can't be ignored. And so I, I think that's really, really important um, for us. So I, I would say in the next six months, it's how to grow in a great way and be responsible in, in those efforts and that um, businesses are looking for efficiencies and investing in that. And that's where we come in. And so that's that's what's top of mind for me in six months. Well, I, I think that's a great a message for all CEOs and all businesses right now, because I think responsible growth is on the top of our minds with everything that's going on today in the world. So Sandy, thank you so much. Um, this has been great to have you as a guest on the show again. We've had you a couple of times and for our listeners, we're talking with Sandy Lohr. She's the CEO of Matchcraft and Matchcraft provides best in class advertising platform that enables companies to successfully sell and manage search display and social campaigns for their advertising. Advertisers. Their platform advantage helps organizations efficiently manage campaigns of all sizes, enabling clients to deliver results. And if you'd like to reach out to Sandy, you can reach out to Sandy on Twitter and LinkedIn under Sandy Lore. That is L-O-H-R. And if you'd like to learn more about Matchcraft, you can go to Matchcraft under www.matchcraft.com. And Matchcraft is, of course, on all social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And Matchcraft is also part of the Vendesta group and Vendesta Technologies. And if you'd like to learn more about Vendesta, you can go to www.vendesta.com. And this show has been brought to you, Cinda. If you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. They will have their next conference in Florence, October 16th to 18th. And you can meet the Matchcraft team there. So with that, I'd like to thank Sandy. Thank you again. 
Thank you. It's always fun. Thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, it's always great having you. And with that, thank you, our listeners. And please don't forget to tune in to us again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.